It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. And your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. On Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Pep. People have their opinion. What other falsehoods are out there? But a lot of the perception things about us. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. Rebuilds are difficult. Sometimes it takes years and years. I still believe, given a, a really good offseason with this draft pick that we have coming and with our ability to, to get some veteran players in here alongside these young guys, we, we can make a substantial leap. Kick back. Relax. Locked on Bulls starts now. My job is to prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. And these guys are men. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Get your voicemails in, get your text messages in. Uh, We're going to do some texts, we're going to answer some of your texts today, but uh, a huge emphasis here on dropping us some of your latest voicemails and how you're feeling about the state of this Bulls team. Hit us up, 331-979-1369. Matt, it's good to be back. It's good to be back on the mics with you. Unfortunately, uh, this Bulls team is a whole pile of absolute garbage, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better from here. But what's going on? How you doing? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Glad to be on the mics with you today, buddy. Um, Looking forward to at least a a potential win tonight. You know, the Bulls uh, hosting the Atlanta Hawks, who they already beat on the road earlier this season. And the Hawks are coming off a really demoralizing loss to Jimmy Buckets in the Heat, where they coughed up like a six-point lead with under a minute left and then lost in overtime, um, thanks to a pretty remarkable performance from that Duncan Robinson kid. Um, not to mention Kendrick Nunn, Bam Adebayo. Man, that, that Heat team is fun. But, uh, you know, they, they put a hurting on Trey Young and the Hawks, so they'll be limping into Chicago tonight. Hopefully that means the Bulls can finally, you know, get themselves a win after, you know, the, the, these really unfortunate losses to respectable opponents. Like, yeah, Miami had an off night. And Toronto had an off night, but they were two winnable games against quality opponents, and it just it just really sucks that the Bulls really haven't had that signature win yet. It's depressing too because you look back at at a handful of these losses that the Bulls have had, and it's like the Bulls have been right there. You know, they haven't taken that step from last year where you know we said, all right, some of these losses, okay, as long as you stay competitive and stay in the games, and we're at this point this year where it's like. The Bulls have found different ways in every single one of these losses where games have been close in in a remarkable way 
to blow games and it just it continues we're in the middle of December now and we still haven't turned that corner so Jim Boylan man I don't I don't know if he he presses a play button and on his back before he walks into a post post-game press conference or not but it seems like it's a pre-recorded tape that's just kind of spewing out of his mouth every single day um but I, I don't know. I don't know where this team goes. So I guess our biggest focus today on the show was talking about Otto Porter's injury a little bit more. You know, this is something that we talked about at the beginning of the season. And when he was on a minutes restriction, we thought maybe it was something to do with not wanting something like this to happen, where he was hurt and he's spending a significant amount of time off. Now it's gotten me to the point where I think that the Bulls knew that there was something going on with him. That's why he was on a minutes restriction to start. Uh, But it's not good news. And I told you, I told you at the beginning of November, I would be shocked if we see Otto Porter before the new year starts. And I said, I wouldn't even be shocked if he misses the entire season. And sure enough, uh, a fracture in his foot, it seems like, after five weeks of scans, finally has come up. So, um, yeah, what do you think about Otto Porter and how does this affect the Bulls' outtake on the rest of the season? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of like, well, we knew this could happen and here we are, it happened. I mean, how often did you and I talk in the offseason about, okay, well, like we, we liked the additions of Sadoransky and Thad Young in free agency, and we were excited about Kobe and, and Gafford in the draft, but the one position that they didn't address that they probably should have was the wing because we knew that, that Otto was a player that had some injury issues in his re- recent past and that if Otto went down that this team would be up shit creek because we saw what the Bulls looked like without Otto Porter Jr. and playing a bunch of three-guard lineups last season, and we saw what could be a team turning the corner with the right piece added in that stretch where they played well when Otto arrived last season. So we saw the good with him, and we saw the bad without him, and we knew that that was a big risk. And honestly, just gross oversight from this front office, not choosing to bring back guys like Shaq and Archie, both of them, instead of looking to add another veteran piece in free agency to address that depth at the wing. And and now they're in this position, and we all knew that this was a problem that could potentially be waiting for them, and here it is. It's kind of crazy, and maybe it was oversight on our part in the offseason and as Bulls fans as a whole, because we didn't emphasize as much on the fact that they brought what essentially seven eight guards on this team and you only had two legitimate wings to start the season and we figured okay if everybody stays healthy I guess you can shift things around Um, you can play at times when you need to a three guard lineup I wasn't expecting a three guard lineup every single night and especially closing games but maybe maybe that's to our fault for not being as critical for the Bulls not picking up an extra wing, knowing that Chandler Hutchison was dealing with an injury all offseason. And the fact that you knew Otto Porter was injury prone and he was dealing with shit at the end of the season last year. Like, like to me, that just it's almost like the Bulls live in perfect scenarios and they think that that's how it's going to play out every single time. Like Hutchison's going to come back. He's going to be fully healthy. He's going to be good to go to start the season. That didn't happen. Otto Porter, he's going to finally stay healthy for an entire season. That didn't happen. So, you know, it was something that we talked about at the, at opening night is like how, how involved and how invested are the Bulls in, in winning and what happens if one of these wings goes down and sure enough, both of the wings, haven't been able to stay healthy so I guess for me 
what do the Bulls do here? Do they just can continue to spin the wheels and figure out and, and continue to just fill the lineup till they know for sure what's going on with Otto Porter? Or do you think that they're going to look to maybe add somebody cheap to kind of fill that role for now? I mean, I, I, I think they should. I think they should explore all possible avenues to fill that gap in the roster because based on what we're hearing and the latest update we got just yesterday was – you know, after we've been getting these, you know, at first it was day to day and then week to week and then two weeks reassessed and then another two weeks reassessed. And now we heard four weeks. So it keeps growing. Um, and if the Bulls are, are still actually going to try to make a season out of this, they, they have to address like this this lack of depth in the rotation there, because I, I at least Jim has made some decent adjustments recently in in Otto's absence decreasing the minutes of Archie Diacono in favor of actually giving Denzel Valentine some run because Denzel has proved finally that that he is deserving of those minutes and I think in the meantime you have to talk about inserting Denzel into that starting lineup instead of Chris Dunn who just gives you nothing playing off the ball and you know just chucked up bricks six of them from behind the three-point line the other night but that's only a short-term fix you know that that's only a short-term fix so should the bulls explore potential trades or you know potential additions yeah will they i i don't know i have no faith that they will i can't think of anybody that's available either like for the bulls to just sign there's there's nobody out there that would even have an impact i mean going with the three guard lineup that like the bulls have been going with for most of the season now at this point adding anybody that's even available like a Joe Johnson for example or um, maybe somebody like Kenneth Fareed at this point it's like what are they going to do like you're going to pop them into the starting lineup they're probably not going to do a whole lot so the Bulls are screwed unless they ma- they make a trade and it, again it goes back to decision making like what what are we doing with this season here and I don't think the Bulls necessarily know what they're doing they're trying they're trying desperately for this Bulls team, they're they're hoping and praying that this team is going to turn it around and figure something out over the next couple of weeks. And I, for me, I've seen two months of basketball now from this Bulls team, and I don't see any indication that anything's turning around anytime soon. You know, the Bulls continue to find shitty ways to lose games at the end. Nobody can close on this team, and nobody can score late either. We see it like once every three weeks where Zach Levine will, will carry this team to a win or Kobe White will get hot at the end in the fourth quarter and not miss threes. But to me, if the Bulls are still serious about their goal of competing and playoffs are still the expectation and the goal, you can't continue to run a three guard lineup out there for for the majority of games like it's not going to happen and it's not going to work. So the Bulls got to make a decision here and be honest with their fan base. And I know it's hard for them to do that, but you got to be honest with all of us here. You know, the more lying and the more you hide and the more you don't say anything, the more pissed off fans are going to get. And, you know, we saw an indication of that just against the Raptors the other night. How when's the last time you've seen the United Center for a Bulls game that empty, Matt? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of talked about that a little bit on, on Tuesday's show um, just to see how glaringly empty the United Center was. Uh, I think one of the guys from It's the Bigs tweeted out a picture um, and I mean, the entire upper deck, the entire 300 level was empty. And the you know the lower level and the mid level were just a smattering, and then you know we we heard the initial official announcement of attendance was like you know fourteen thousand and seven hundred, but then six seventy the score reported that the actual number of you know bodies through the turnstiles was down like just over ten thousand, 
in a you know in, in a twenty plus thousand capacity stadium, and this is a team that's been leading not just in attendance but in you know percentage of capacity filled, been first or second place for like a decade, and now that this huge drop has happened, you know it, it might be something that finally gets the attention of the Ryan stores. More so than that, uh, that good old billboard that we argued about years years back. It's true, you know, and it's it's taken a long time for it to get to this point, and I never thought it would. But people are are legitimately stopped showing up to games now, and those people that were excited to maybe have an opportunity to buy tickets to go see a Bulls game in a rebuild at a cheaper cost than what it's been over the last what ten or fifteen years. Bulls tickets are still expensive if you're just trying to buy regular tickets they're still damn expensive um but you're seeing it now even those people aren't showing up to games because what's the point the bulls get their ass kicked at home all the time so for me it's not even about what product they're putting on the floor but look at the bulls record in these three years of the rebuild at home they've been god awful god awful so what's the incentive for anybody to go out to a game to spend three four five hundred dollars on a night when the bulls just come out and get their ass kicked and continue to do the same exact things over and over and over so i don't blame anybody that doesn't go to games or or, you know season yeah i'm i'm pretty sure i heard that the home game against toronto was the one that they were doing that black friday you know 50 percent off tickets giveaway thing for and even still they only could manage to get 10,000 people there with half off ticket prices. I mean that that's how much the the you know the fan base is just sick of this and and tuning out. You know, you mentioned how poorly they're playing at home, 4 and 9 and and it didn't seem that long ago after last season concluded when Michael Reinsdorf did that interview and talked about how he believed that this team was ready to make a big jump because all they had to do was win half of their home games and that would be like a 10 plus win improvement. Well, <laughs> They are not on pace to win half of their home games. And it's sad. I mean, for a, t- for a team that it was marketing themselves as a team that one of the expectations was being better at home, and that's clearly not happened at all. You know, a lot of their wins have come on the... What, it's been half their wins now have come on the road, half have come at home, but more often than not, they look terrible at home compared to the way that they play on the road. And I don't know if that has something to do with with having a weird schedule to start the season and playing a lot of road games early. But still, I mean, they got to figure it out at some point here. And playing at home should be easier. It should be easier to win games, to close out games especially at home, than it should be on the road. But the Bulls seemingly can't do that. So, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm counting down the days to hear what John Paxson says. And But honestly, what is he going to say that, is going to surprise or satisfy any Bulls fans at this point, right? It's going to be the same garbage that we heard last year. It's the same garbage we heard in the first year of the rebuild. It's the same nonsense that we've heard for the last handful of years. So to me, like I know people want John Paxson to speak, and I do want him to at least address the media at some point here. But there's going to be nothing that he says that's going to satisfy me as a Bulls fan. There's going to be nothing that that I'm going to believe. You know, he's going to come out and say that we still have to have patience with this rebuild and all of that. It's nothing that that is going to surprise me or make me feel satisfied as a Bulls fan. So at this point, you know what, John Paxson, maybe he doesn't even need to speak at this point because it, it, it's at that point. I don't know how you feel about it. Oh, no, no, no. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I, I disagree. I mean, it, it's not like I, I'm with you in that whatever John Paxson says, I don't think it'll be satisfying to the fan because he's not going to have any answers and he will almost assuredly use excuses, including namely the injury to Otto Porter Jr. And he'll talk about how important Otto is to making the offense work and, and what he brings to the table in a variety of ways and gloss over the fact that it was his own negligence for not having a backup plan to play somebody behind Otto Porter Jr. when they were addressing this roster's needs in the offseason. He'll use the excuse of the injury and not admit fault for not having a backup plan. So that's what we'll hear if he does speak. But I, I disagree that, it, like, well, if that if we're going to hear the same BS from Paxton, then, like, why should fans even want to hear from him? No. He has to face the music, especially knowing that in his recent interviews when he does, you know, go on and, and you know, do his, his rounds on, on Chicago sports radio, he has recently started to crack. Of course, you know, his infamous in interview, um, you know, with our guy Danny Parkins uh, over there at uh, your workstation 670 The Score, who got Paxson to say that, you know, that now infamous line about how these interviews start to feel like interrogations. It's like, all right, well, man, all we're doing is asking you questions that are fair questions about your team's performance and your performance and what you could be doing better and what you're not doing. And if if Paxson got that upset and is this defensive – and we haven't really heard from him since an optimistic media day, and his team is now 8-17 and 17 through a very soft start to their schedule, he's going to have to face the music, and he's not going to have an answer. And it will continue to look bad. And, I mean, if, if, if that's all Bulls fans can hope for, is Paxson continuing to look bad, then, at, you know, at some point, maybe Jerry and or Michael will start to combine the empty stadium and Paxson not having answers as two factors in maybe we need to really think about making a change here. You know, and I don't know if he's waiting for a win or some type of win streak to happen so he can come out and at least have a little bit of cushion, but I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe we, I, I think now I'm being convinced more and more that we do need to hear from him because I'm thinking now back to this time last year. Remember him like traveling with the, the team to the Mexico City game right after they fired Fred, uh, continuously backing Jim Boylan right as they hired him um, kind of sort of playing this quasi voice of this Bulls team and this Bulls rebuild overall and then all of a sudden it disappeared when the Bulls played like shit and lost 10 games in a row in January and we were all like what the hell is this we went silent for a month and a half and then when they made the deal for Otto Porter then we finally heard from him and Gar Foreman and then that's exactly what you're talking about his radio stints around weren't weren't very good for him and it did seem like he started to crack but um you know you can't play one side one year where things are happening your way and they're going the way that you want and all of a sudden you want to be the voice of this team and then disappear when things go bad I get you might not have any answers but showing your face and at least being willing to have media ask questions and the questions that Bulls fans want answered these are the people that are spending their money to go see the games well Clearly not against the Raptors the other night, but still, these are the people that are supporting this team and this this garbage that we've been watching and waiting for for the last three years. 
we need an answer, and whether it's from John Paxson or it's from Michael Reinsdorf or whoever, but they're the ones... I get as big of an ass clown as Jim Boylan has been this season with his post-media remarks and the way he's coached this team. He isn't the one who put the roster together, you know? I can't believe I'm even defending Jim Boylan at this point, but he didn't have any wings to go out there and play. (laughs) Um, And I get he's playing Archie Diacono and Harrison and all these other guys, but still, he didn't put together the team that John Paxson and Gar Foreman put together. So we need an answer of how could you possibly go into a season with only two true wings and two guys that are extremely injury prone in a season where you thought it was going to be a playoff expectation type of season? These are the types of questions I need answered from him, and clearly we won't get any answers, but still. When do you think he's going to speak? Yeah, and like you, you do feel bad for Jim a little bit. I think you know most Bulls fans would agree that, that he is certainly guilty of some of this team's struggles so far, but he's also a guy who's just serving as a punching bag for an angry, impatient, and, and pissed-off fan base because of this terrible start, and... All he's doing successfully right now is shielding front office from blame that they deserve because he's the one who has to go to the podium after every ridiculous loss, after every bad loss, after every loss where they cough up a lead in the fourth quarter or get blown out by by a you know superior talented team and and face the music and do it in his you know silly clownish way with with his his same you know two or three cookie cutter lyrics about fighting hard and we battled and we won the first quarter and all this. and it's that's why the fan base is piling on Jim it's a combination of it doesn't look like he's a very good in-game coach and it doesn't look like his teammate uh, his players like him very much and he's the one up there taking bullets that the front office should be taking so in, in that sense I do feel sorry for him a little bit and I, I mean I've heard that they you know they're requesting Paxson to speak everybody wants Paxson to speak media has been requesting for Paxson it's not just like will he or won't he go on 670 or ESPN 1000 the media here in Chicago is requesting he speak and he's just the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every Monday Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. He's hiding right now. I have to go back and look, but I'm curious if he spoke any time before Fred's firing last year, because we already exceeded that date. I, I remember just media day, and then I can't remember when the first time he actually addressed the media. Maybe it was when they fired Fred, but still, that was December 3rd, I think, of last year. We've already exceeded that date from hearing from Paxson since media day, so that's not a great sign. We also haven't heard from Michael Reinsdorf at all, and usually we hear from him at least once through the, these first two months. But again, he is, what is he going to say that's going to that's gonna make the fan base satisfied at all? Or what answers do does he have? He's not going to have any. So I think it's, it's exactly what we talked about last year, too, when the Bulls went on this 10-game losing streak and we're like, all of a sudden we didn't hear from Gar, we didn't hear from John Paxson, we didn't hear from Doug Collins, we didn't hear from anybody in the front office. And I felt bad for Jim at that time because I felt like the Bulls were like, took Jim Boylan out on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean. It was like, 
let's just drop him in shark infested waters that is Bulls fans and the media and you can figure it out have fun doing that I feel like that's the same thing that's going on here so I, I do have a little bit of a uh, little bit of empathy for Jim Boylan and the fact that he's got to go up there and look he's got some explaining to do with some of the, the questionable rotations and moves he's making on the floor but this isn't all Jim Boylan's fault so I do feel bad for him in that in that factor yeah there, there is a little bit of sympathy there and you know we'll, we'll see if Paxson does his annual you know Christmas morning interview um and 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 what he has to say about that but you know I I think the reason that that fans are are you know obviously upset with Jim Boylan and, and simultaneously upset with John is that everybody feels that the Jim's extension was un, unwarranted if you want to and I think you and I kind of did this to a to a certain degree last season, you know, uh, you know, refrain from grading Jim and his coaching ability just because the roster he had when he took over was just so bad. And the Bulls were essentially playing a G League lineup for the back half of the season. If you wanted to give his coaching grade a pass because of that and wait for this year to evaluate him, then you could do that. And I know I did that. Even though I certainly didn't have high hopes for his coaching, I gave him a pass for half a season with no real talent. But that didn't mean they needed to extend him. And now that's why you have this awkward situation where Paxson doesn't want to face the music and admit that you know people, you know Bulls fans are asking when the hell are they going to fire this clown? Like this team has you know lost double the games that they've won against subpar opponents. And it certainly seems like Jim Boylan is a big part of the problem. So why are you not firing this guy? It's because if they fire him, they admit that they are incompetent for giving the student extension without even a hint of a coaching search. And that's, you know, what I've been saying for weeks now. The only way that we get Jim Boylan fired and an interim coach for the rest of this season is if it comes hand in hand with a John Paxson resignation. I don't see any disconnect. I see a team that's battling and trying. And uh, I'm really proud of him. I truly believe that's the only way Jim Boylan gets fired because John Paxson can't blame Jim the way that, you know, the Knicks just threw David Fisdale under the bus last week and not admit his own fault. Here's a quick hypothetical for you. Start of the new year, January 4th, Zach Levine goes to John Paxson, Michael Reinsdorf, and Gar Foreman and says, it's me or him. You get rid of Jim Boylan, I'm sticking it out here, that's fine, we'll figure something out, get me a guy that actually can coach, or I want out of here. What do you think the message to Zach Levine would be? Because at some point, if the Bulls continue down this road, there's going to be there's gonna start to be guys asking to get out of here. Who the hell wants to stay on a team that's losing a bunch of games and was supposed to be competitive and they're not? I get Thaddeus Young's making some good money, he decided to sign here, Thomas Adaransky got traded... But they're both getting paid a decent amount of money. But at what point are guys going to start to say, you know what? I want nothing to do with this team. Find a different home for me. Trade me. And I think it would start with Zach Levine. You know, as much as he's had to carry this team over the last two years, it's the only. I feel like it's one of the few valuable chips that you have to move. But what do the Bulls say to that if one of the players gets so pissed off to the point where they're like, you know what, choose Jim Boylan or choose me, make a decision. If you're going to keep Jim Boylan around, then move me. What do the Bulls do at that point? Man, I mean, th- that is a tough question. And I think, I, I mean, a- as much as Zach Levine, we know he has his struggles. And I think uh, a lot of the fan base is fairly questioning right now whether or not he can actually be 
the, you know, the number one guy on a, on a good team, and we've seen him struggle to close games. We've seen him underperform in fourth quarters of close games. And, you know, our, our latest example with, you know, his, his lack of awareness and his tunnel vision on the final play and their loss on Monday night, I think plenty of fans are, are, are starting to doubt that Zach can actually be the best guy on a good team. I think it's safer even to say that most of the fan base knows that Jim Boylan is not the answer. And maybe Zach can't be the best guy on your team, but he's currently on a pretty team-friendly contract, and maybe this team, if they actually had some proper management, could figure out a way to make Zach a complementary piece on a good team and keep him around. So if they, if Zach comes to the front office and says, look, it's, an, it's ultimatum time, I can't play for this this dude Jim Boylan anymore you got to fire him or you got to trade me I think the wise answer would be that they fire Jim because I think right now Zach Levine with all his faults is giving this team a lot more than Jim Boylan is and yes Zach in some ways is taking away from the successes of this team with his failures but again Jim Boylan more so is impeding this team's success not helping it so I think the right answer is you, you fire Jim, you don't trade Zach. However, the Bulls' track record as a front office, yeah, they're more than willing to fire coaches, but right now they can't admit that they were wrong and fire this coach, and we know that they have no problem blaming players and trading players and thinking that that is the problem. What do I think is more likely to happen? They trade Zach. What do I think they should do in that hypothetical scenario? I think they're going to have to do something in soon because I think they're also too shitting themselves a little bit because they host the All-Star game in, what, a month and a half? And you don't think the national media isn't going to start talking about what's going on with this Bulls team because it's associated with them coming to Chicago? There's going to be a ton of talk in in two weeks leading up to the All-Star game. Hey, it's in Chicago for the first time in, what, almost 30 years? What's going on with this Bulls team? And then all of a sudden, now we're going to start to see national media attention on them. So I think the Bulls need to make a, a decision before that because it's it's a clear-cut deal. Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, nobody on this Bulls team is making that All-Star game. I'm sorry, nobody is no. making the All-Star game. I don't care how many points Zach no. Levine puts up for the next six weeks. No one. E- yeah, if, even if Zach you know, is averaging closer to 30 than, than the 22 or whatever that he's averaging right now, if this team keeps losing games like this, yeah, you're right. There's no way. The only representative they're going to have at their own All-Star weekend is probably Kobe White in the Rising Stars game. And, you know, it, it and it'll be because they need some kind of representative for their team at All-Star weekend. And yeah, he's he's a he's a name. You know, he's a fun, exciting kid. He's a likable kid from a blue chip college program who has had a few lights out performances so far this season. But even Kobe is you know going to be welcomed to the Rising Stars game despite really struggling so far this season. I know that's not popular to remind Bulls fans who are clamoring for this kid to be put into the starting lineup, but outside of a few lights-out performances where he gets hot, Kobe has not looked good. Go look at his his analytics and, and the analysis of his contributions offensively, defensively. He is in the very... He is is in the very bottom corner of the wrong quadrant of a graph of players' efficiency and contributions to their team. And and he will be at the Rising Stars game because he's Kobe White and he's a lottery pick. He's a top 10 pick and he's fun and exciting. But that's all this Bulls team has to show for their season so far. It's, It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. 
You know, that's the best word to kind of sum up what's going on right now. And I think, you know, and maybe we'll see Zach Levine in, in the dunk contest. But, I mean, if this team has no shot and isn't competitive going into that, maybe Zach Levine is. Oh, no. I, I don't think he'd do it. I don't think he'd do the dunk contest if, if their record is, you know, the same winning percentage it is now and he's still ticked off and, and he's also, you know, not playing any better and he's not there as an all-star. If he were there as an all-star, maybe he would also do the dunk contest. But, I mean, it, it, I, Zach's got to be pissed off right now. And Like, why, why would you just do the dunk contest just because it's like, oh, all-star weekends here in Chicago and I didn't make the all-star team, so I guess I'll do this thing again that I've already done multiple times. And it feels like he's in a similar fashion to the way that we felt about this rebuild, where at first we were really angry with some of the moves the Bulls were making, how bad this team has been, not making moves in certain instances where you get Bulls fans screaming and yelling. Now I feel like as Bulls fans, we're at a point where we just don't care. Like It's to a point where it's like, you know, until something actually legitimately changes fundamentally with this team, we don't really care. And I feel like Zach Levine, just listening to his post-game comments, sound a lot different than they did last year. Zach Levine, for the most of the season, when they would lose games, he was pissed off. And you'd hear him swearing in post-game press conferences. Now it just seems like, yeah, I mean, we got to figure it out at some point. Got to got to figure out how to close games. Hopefully we can figure that out. And yeah, we're just on to the next game. It's like Zach Levine's at a point where he just doesn't care at this point. And it's not caring about how he's doing, how his teammates are doing. I think he just kind of realizes like, this is what it is. And we're not figuring it out. We're two months into the season. So we need some type of change and he needs some type of help. So I can't blame him for really to the media, giving us kind of vanilla answers and, you know, not showing passion like he did last year, because at last year he was like, enough is enough, but no change has really been made. So I feel like at some point he feels like, well, what am I to do? If I continue to come out here and just get pissed off, it's going to do us no good. So I don't know. I feel like he's at a point where he just, you know, he just kind of feels blah about the whole entire situation. It makes me feel like what Bulls fans feel about this situation. You could tell he's fed up and you can even tell with his play recently that he he is completely checked out of, of listening to Jim Boylan and actually running the offense that, that this team tried to install in training camp. And it's it's not ideal. And, you know, sometimes it works, like in the first half of their game Monday night when Zach had 20 points, 5-5, five and five, and you're like, well, this team is going nowhere, but at least that guy can ball. But then you get to the, the moments where you realize Zach is not – a high IQ player as of yet and does not necessarily make the right decisions playing hero ball down the stretch. He's not good enough. And it's like, you know, do do you want to defend the player who's checked out of a coach who's incompetent or do you want to blame the player who's checked out on the incompetent coach who's also not delivering as much as you would hope for a guy who's supposed to be the best player on a team that we all thought could could make a step this season? Uh, You know, that's why, like... Every way you dissect it, Jim and Zach, you know, and not to mention Lowry, we haven't really talked about him today. Of course, you know, he deserves some blame for for his poor start to the season. But the other, you know, key element and talking about the whole like Zach's not going to make the all-star team thing. He talked a big game about improving his defensive side of his game. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it it's at still all. Still those head scratching rotations and and there's there's points on defense where he has no idea what he's even doing. And and, and sometimes he just kind of instead of getting embarrassed, he just like, Oh yeah, like he was supposed to switch instead of me. I see that way too often. And it's like little things like that. 
It's like that was supposed to change this year. So I'm with you on that too. He did talk a big game about his defense and I don't think it's been a whole lot better. It's improved a little bit, but it it's not great. It's not I mean, going from one of the worst defenders in the entire league to being, I don't know, being in the bottom 25% doesn't do me a whole lot of good. Um, but I'm with you. I think I think he's completely and totally checked out from what Jim Boylan has asked. And I wonder how pissed off he actually was when Jim Boylan took that timeout too the other night. Didn't allow him to just run it out and and play it out. And then after after the timeout, that that out of bounds timeout play that they ran was such garbage. So there was it no, wasn't a play. Oh, it wasn't a play. <laughs> it was a give the ball to Zach and hope he makes a shot. It was right. Which I think, you know, in, in moments where Zach is just creating on his own accord and, and reacting to a broken play and doing his own thing, much like, you know, his game winner against Charlotte, he can be that guy and he can be clutch and he can, you know, hit big shots. But that's I think that's why you saw him get a little ticked off when Jim called that timeout, you know, nearing the end of that game is because, you know, Zach would have rather just said, all right, well, last possession, we can go win the game right here. I'm going to, you know, look for my shot and do it. But it took him out of the rhythm of the game, and he had to go back to the sideline and listen to a coach who he hates tell him what to do. And it was the same thing, like you were saying, there, there wasn't even a play drawn up. But he just took Zach out of the rhythm of his game. And, you know, I think I think Jim is doing that to a lot of the guys on this team. And I think it shows lack of trust in, in Jim Boylan has in his, in his number one option on this team. How many other guys get a timeout called there? Does James Harden? Does Giannis? Does LeBron? Any of the stars? Does Jimmy? None, none of those guys. None of their coaches would call a timeout in that situation. They let it ride or die. You win or lose the game on that play. You don't call a timeout and throw a guy off his rhythm because you want to try to draw something up and then you don't even draw anything up. So I, I find that very bizarre, too, that there was no trust level at all. And, and at what point? Like, who gives a shit if you lose the game? Who gives a shit? Your record's terrible anyway. If Zach wins the game, that's better for his confidence. That's That shows at least you have a little bit of confidence in him. So I was super pissed off at that timeout, too. I just felt like it didn't make any sense at that point. Um, but that that's kind of just sounds like the entire theme of the Bulls season is that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, um, yeah, I don't know. They, they, get a, they get a break tonight against Atlanta, and I hope one of the three guys, and whether it's Carter... Markinen or Levine have a really big night tonight. Uh, that Hawks team, you know, besides the Knicks, they have been garbage as well. So, you know, we said this against the Warriors team. Said hopefully it's a win tonight, but I'm not even banking on that at this point. So we could see a Trey Young 50 point game tonight. So I would not be shocked by that at all. So and you know, it's too bad. Um, you know, hopefully the Bulls can beat the Hawks tonight and at least get a win to you know maybe improve their morale a little bit, but. This this could have been this stretch of games right here where the Bulls actually maybe turned it around and started to believe in themselves. You know, Jim Boylan and his buffoonery be damned because, you know, you had that two-game winning streak last week coming into your rematch against Golden State. And there's no excuse for losing to that team, let alone losing to that team a second time. If they had managed to beat Golden State in a game that they should have won and get a win streak to three... And they had managed to close those very winnable games when Miami and Toronto essentially put up dud performances and the Bulls should have won those games. You'd be talking about coming into tonight's game on a five-game winning streak, which I'm sure to Bulls fans just seems utterly impossible based on the way the season has gone. But you make a few plays, you close, 
and we could be talking about the Bulls going for their sixth straight win tonight and and you know cl- you know inching their way back closer to being a 500 basketball team and staying in that playoff hunt. But failure to close and losing to bad teams instead of can we get win number 6 has a saying, well, hopefully we can at least beat the Hawks to, you know, end the most recent skid, right? And, you know, that's that's sadly just, you know, that basically tells you the story of the season so far. How many is is Jabari going off for a thirty piece tonight? Oh God, I don't care. Never speak that man's <laughs> name to me again. Oh man, I'm sure my guy so Big think, Dave thinks he's going off for thirty. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, oh, real quick, I just wanted—I know you had mentioned this yesterday, but um, big night from Daniel Gafford and Denzel Valentine off the bench. Uh, D- Daniel Gafford, man, I am—I'm very, very pleased with that pick, and he looks great off the bench. I don't want to see any sight of Luke Cornett for this re- the rest of the season. I don't give a shit if 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 Gafford's on a bad stretch. I do not want to see Luke Cornett ever again play another minute for this Bulls team. Daniel Gafford looks great though and shout out to Denzel Valentine after a weird bad start and getting the Jabari Parker treatment um being benched. Now coming around and turning it around and looks like the only reliable shooter at this point off the bench. So at least yeah. at least we got a little bit of something there. Yeah, I mean, Gafford's an animal out there. I love what I've seen from him. His two-man game with Denzel uh, looked really fun um, and actually is what built the Bulls that lead late in the game on Monday. I'm with you, especially if the Bulls insist on keeping their defense the way it is and don't you know allow um, Cornette to play drop coverage style defense, which is what we saw him do fairly successfully with the Knicks last season where he was a pretty solid rim protector. Um, but if they if the Bulls refuse to play drop coverage and, and Luke Cornett's not hitting shots, then he has no business being on the floor. And, De- and Gafford should be getting more minutes. And, and you know, as far as Denzel, look, man, you know, you know I've made some jokes at his expense. Um, we certainly had our doubts about what, what he could bring to the Bulls this season. Mostly for me, it was just because of his recent track record. I mean, he was coming off a season where he missed all 82 games with an injury that just sounded like he was getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I I was going to withhold judgment. Well, not withhold judgment, but withhold praise or expectation until I saw something. And he did look good in preseason. And between that and looking like he was not really still in game-playing shape, I understood that Boylan, you know, just sat him at the end of the bench and didn't have him in his rotation. But now based on the injuries you're dealing with, based on the performances of some of these other players, it's clear cut, and I will eat some crow. Denzel is giving you a lot more than anybody else that Jim had in his rotation ahead of Denzel. And as we were talking about earlier on in tonight or in today's show, I think he's even gotten to the point where that Jim should be considering starting him instead of Chris Dunn. I'm 100% with you, and I can't believe we are actually having that conversation. Uh, after everything that we talked about in the, the offseason, too, Like I didn't expect him to come back, especially when he, the way he looked in preseason. He looked terrible in preseason. Maybe he's just getting his legs under him, though. Uh, but he is shooting 46.6% from the field in 11 games, and he's shooting 45% from three on nearly four attempts a game. So uh, that's good to see. Isn't that his number? Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's like magic. <laughs> so hopefully hopefully that continues because otherwise I have no idea who who on that Bulls bench is going to be able to score for you. So hopefully that continues. I'd like to see what we are seeing from Gafford as well. And I don't know. Even if the Bulls pick up a win tonight, it, it, it doesn't matter at this point right now. I need to see a stretch of like three weeks where the Bulls are winning games and not doing this well, bullshit hey, at the end of games. I mean, if if they get the W tonight, they got the Hornets on deck on Friday. We could have ourselves another little two-game winning streak. 
Second two-game winning streak of the season. Okay, going to need Zach to bail us out with what? What was it? Thir- 13 threes against the Hornets? Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look out, Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, right. So... I guess we'll find out. Uh, hit us up, though. 331-979-1369, our text and voicemail line. You got any thoughts about this or the direction that this Bulls team is going? If you're fed up at all with what you're watching, I know a lot of our texters and people who've dropped us voicemails are. We'd love to hear from you again. 331-979-1369. We're on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. You can tweet at us there as well. But that's going to about do it for us here. Thank you so much for listening. Again, subscribe to our show so you get our episodes as soon as they drop. We're on every single podcast platform you can think of. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, dozens of other podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so our episodes are in your feed as soon as they drop. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Hopefully there's a win in the Bulls sites tonight against the Hawks. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. What makes you think the wins will come? Uh, if you build it, they will come, Joel. Seen that movie? Seen He's me. in the movie, Joe. And please, stop smiling in the post-game press conferences after you lose. I'm tired of it. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.